has happened many times over the years. Someone comes up to me after church and asks, why can't we sing Christmas hymns during Advent? And honestly, i got to tell you, sometimes I feel the same way, especially this year during this endless pandemic. Why not lighten things up a little? Why come in here and sing, let all mortal flesh keep silent, when we can be belting out joy to the world and being happy? So I've been thinking a lot about that lately, and suddenly it occurred to me that the season of Advent is a kind of spiritual psychotherapy. Advent is about acknowledging our deepest longings, longings that are universal to us all, longings we need to receive fully at a soul level before we can fully receive the gift of Christmas. Case in point, I am reminded of the day I was standing in a very long checkout line at the Home Depot. It was early November, probably the first week in November, Christmas trees were lit up all over the store. The PA system was blaring loud holiday music. We wish you a Merry Christmas, Frosty the Snowman, Jingle Bell Rocket was all there. Not one person in that long checkout line seemed to be enjoying it very much. We all knew it was a not-so-subtle marketing tool to get us all jazzed up so we would shop more and buy more. And then it happened. Suddenly, a quiet Advent hymn descended softly from the overhead PA. Okay, so it wasn't exactly an Advent hymn, but it had all the elements of one, including the deep, deep longing. And hearing this, a silent hush fell over all the people waiting in that long line, a silence as palpable as freshly falling snow. What we heard that day was the ghost of Bing Crosby singing the old classic, I'll be home for Christmas. I'll be home for Christmas, you can count on me. I'll be home for Christmas if only in my dreams. That song was written in 1943 by a man named Kim Gangan. When he pitched it to the people in the music industry, they turned him down cold They felt the last line, if only in my dreams, would be too sad for people separated from their loved ones, especially those who were serving in the military. But Gannon, to his everlasting credit, persisted. Some months later, while playing golf with Bing Crosby, he sang it to him out on the green. Crosby loved it, so he took a leap of faith and he recorded it. As soon as I'll Be Home for Christmas was released, it hit a national nerve, The music industry was dead wrong. The song deeply touched the hearts of Americans who longed to be home for Christmas, especially those in the military. In fact, it quickly became the most requested song of all Christmas USO shows, and it is still very, very popular today, everywhere, a la The Home Depot. Now, since its release in 1943, I'll Be Home for Christmas has been recorded by over 300 musicians and artists, including B.B. King, Barbara Streisand, Bob Dylan, Elvis, and Kelly Clarkson. The longing for home, it is universal to us all. Episcopal priest Barbara Brown Taylor put it eloquently, on any given night, however comfortable we may be, 
And however, however secure our futures may seem, we all remain vulnerable to a certain heaviness of heart. It can come up on us for no apparent reason at all, a sudden hollowness inside, a peculiar melancholy and inexplicable homesickness. And that's precisely what's going on in our first reading for this morning. Hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, the people of Israel were living in exile in a foreign land. They had been waiting and longing to go home for years, both physically and spiritually. And then one day this letter arrives. It was written by one of the greatest poets in the history of the world. And it reads as follows. Comfort, comfort my people. A voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain shall be made low. Translation, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Every mountain of resistance in your life shall be made low. Every valley of despair you are feeling will be exalted. At long last, you are coming home. Our opening Advent hymn for this morning captured it beautifully as well. Shout while ye journey home, songs be in every mouth. Lo, from the north we come, from east and west and south. The longing for home. Now last Sunday I recall the photography class I took in college that woke me up to the beauty and the grandeur of everyday life. A year later, I took a sociology class that woke me up to that universal longing for home. And it happened the day our professor invited a panel of six gay and lesbian students to come in and simply tell us their story. Coming from a small, conservative, Christian, reform Midwest town, that was a real eye-opener for me. One by one, our peers told us how their whole life they had been made to feel unnatural and shameful, that they were made fun of and excluded, how they were forced to hide their deepest longings and their truest selves. The last person to speak was a young woman. She was shy and very soft-spoken. So I wasn't all surprised when she reached into her backpack and pulled out a letter. It was a letter from her parents, a reply from a letter she had written to them telling them that she was gay. With tears streaming down her cheeks, this is what she read to us. Dear Sarah, needless to say, we are devastated by your news. We are deeply hurt and disappointed that you have chosen a lifestyle that is contrary to our Christian beliefs and also to God. Therefore, we regret to inform you that you are not welcome to come home for Christmas. You are not welcome to come home for Christmas. Not a Christmas goes by that I don't think of her. I'll be home for Christmas if only in my dreams. Enter the gospel lesson for this morning. When I was in seminary, we learned how to do historical critical study of the Bible. And one of the key things they told us in that Bible study class was, it's not all about the words. Rather, sometimes it's all about the silence, the lack of words. Sometimes that tells even a larger story. 
So first, the historical situation. Because there was no work in his hometown of Bethlehem, Joseph, like many men back then, went looking for a job in a larger city. Eventually, he finds one in Nazareth. That's where he's living when he meets Mary, and eventually they become engaged. Mary gets mysteriously pregnant out of wedlock, which in those days was a huge, huge cultural and family disgrace. Now for the part of the story that is not written in the Bible, the silent part. Have you ever noticed that there is not a single word about Mary's parents? Not one syllable. So is it possible when she informed them that she was pregnant, they told her she was not welcome to come home? And maybe that's why the very next thing that she does is go with haste to live with her older relative, Elizabeth. She goes to Elizabeth because she accepts Mary for who she is. She unconditionally loves her. She welcomes her into her home. And finally, after three months, she is able to convince Mary's parents that their daughter was telling the truth, at which point Mary returns back home to Nazareth. We all need an Elizabeth in our lives, don't we? Someone who gives us sanctuary, someone who accepts us for who we are, who sometimes believes in us even more than we believe in ourselves. Someone who takes us into their home and into their heart, no questions asked. And then it happened in the middle of all the confusion about the new pregnancy. The governor wants a census update. That is, he really wants to raise taxes, which meant that Joseph had to go back home to Bethlehem to register. And Mary, his soon-to-be wife, even though she was way pregnant, left home and went with him. And along the way, she suddenly goes into labor And because the census traffic is so heavy, the local inn is full. Mary gives birth in an innkeeper's stable, a place far, far away from her physical home, a place as crude as it was on that night became her spiritual home. So beginning with Elizabeth, the nativity story is the reminder that our true home is deeply spiritual that it's not so much about a place in the soil as it is a place in the soul. The great theologian Reinhold Niebuhr put it like this, the human spirit is incapable of ridding its sense of homelessness. The essential homelessness of the human spirit is the ground of all religion. I love that. The essential homelessness of the human spirit is the ground of all religion, hence proof that some kind of God exists. Our true home is not so much a place in the soil as it is a place in the soul. Some years ago, I visited a church member who had recently been placed in a memory unit of a nursing home, and everyone agreed it was the best thing for her, including me. So it took her a couple of weeks to adjust, but eventually she did, and she seemed to be pretty comfortable there. So I went to visit her one day, and I found her sitting in the hallway in a wheelchair with several other people lined up next to her. And I was so happy because she noticed me right away. You see, we had this special connection. On Friday afternoons, I would go to her house, and we'd have a little glass of sherry together. 
She was my wise old Elizabeth, someone who accepted me first as a human being and secondly as a minister, and it was a real, real gift. So I wheeled her into the parlor that day, and there was this big, beautiful Christmas tree all lit up in the center of the room. And that's when it happened. She looked over at the tree, and then she looked up at me, and she said, I've got to get home for Christmas. I've got to get home for Christmas. I tried to explain to her that she was home. She was in her new home, and it was beautiful and wonderful. But she wasn't buying it, at which point she did something I will never forget. She pointed to the fire door. She said, go outside, bring your car around, knock on the door, and I'll make a run for it. (laughs) I'll make a run for it, wheelchair and all. To which I replied, what about your new friends and your new home? What about Millie and Mabel and Marge? Won't you miss them? To which she exclaimed, you're right. You'll have to find a bus. You'll have to find a bus, at which point we both burst out laughing. We laughed ourselves back into reality. The reality that she wasn't going anywhere, and I knew it, and she knew it. The reality that somewhere deep inside all of us, there is a spiritual longing for home. Hence, church. This old beauty is our spiritual home. It is a place where we can come as we are. A place that is open and affirming of who we are, body, mind, and soul. A place that joyfully welcomes us home on Christmas Eve. A place where there is always a seat at the table. 